and uh, welcome to another episode of the House of Decline podcast. It's been a while since I've talked about Palestine, but I feel the need to do it because it's still ongoing. It's still just as horrible as ever. And um, I feel with the weird amount of uh, listenership this show has, it's it's worth talking about. Um and uh, to talk about it, I have on uh, comics writer, video game writer, Nadia Shamas. Uh, Hello. I've been reading her tweets for a while, and uh, she's great. You should follow her on Twitter. You should read her books. And um, you are Palestinian, uh, Palestinian-American, correct? Yes, I am. And uh, I, I imagine the past few months have been pretty bad. You. yeah <laughs> yeah they've been pretty shit i mean i god honestly i feel like the last few years have been so horrific and every year i'm like man i hope the next one is the one where i get to chill but uh nope but i will say that uh yeah so for everybody here hi who doesn't know me yeah my name's nadia um i was born in brooklyn new york and then i moved to Palestine with my grandmother to, you know, try to go back. And I lived there until I was around four or five. And then uh, I actually found this out like recently that Israel literally was like, hey, we're going to like take this kid. This kid doesn't have Palestinian paperwork. Like we can just deport the child. So my grandma was like, okay, well, all my daughters at this point have left. And uh, and she decided to come back with me. And so I moved back to Brooklyn and uh, and grew up in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, which is like also been in the news a bit because it is like a very like uh, Arab immigrant diaspora neighborhood mm-hmm. in Brooklyn. So I did grow up with a bunch of Arabs as well. Um, but Bay Ridge was also interesting because it's kind of very much like a mixed and kind of very political hotbed. We are uh like we uh share the same representatives with Staten Island, uh, which as you can imagine, oh, hey, fucking oh. sucks. You gotta hey, you need these <laughs> yep, guys. Hey, yep. what are these Bay Ridge guys? What are they doing over here? Very Where do we bad. have our trash concerns? You know, what are Very what bad. are they feeling? Arab American diaspora. I, you know, I it's funny that you know that's exactly what my father sounds like, though. Like, no <laughs> joke. My dad, like, straight up sounds like that. He literally, like, the other, like, I. The best way I used to describe him is that I'm like, one time he was picking me up in his truck because my dad is a like uh, window shade construction worker and he's owned a a window shade making business my whole life and i worked at it for most of my life as well yeah um so i'm very familiar with new york construction sites but i get in the car and my dad uh goes like oh have you seen the irish man yet and i'm like no i have not seen the irish man yet he's like oh yeah it's great it's got all the greats it's got joe pesci it's got bobby de niro and i'm like bobby hold on (laughs) like do you mean i'm sorry you're close personal friend Bobby he was like that motherfucker's from the Bronx okay he's Bobby <laughs> and I was like and that was yeah and I'm like that's my dad basically but like yeah if Tony Soprano was like a really weird Arab <laughs> <laughs> that sounds that sounds pretty good actually that's yeah. a very captivating premise I have to say yeah. <laughs> have you ever written about your dad uh, like oh yeah yeah, I, yeah no I, I wrote a short comic that came out at the back of like a different crime comic called Newburn. Uh, and it was like a short comic called Brooklyn Zirconia, which 100% was like kind of a joke about uncut gems. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> because yeah. Uh, because and it was about like my dad and he it was kind of like a fictionalized 
sanitized version of him and his brothers who mm-hmm. he has like a really horrifically weird relationship with because mm-hmm. like they came to America and you know uh, he and his brothers hated each other and at a certain point um someone robbed my grandfather's house and then my uh, what two oh uncles- my god blamed my dad and then my dad was convinced that he had that they had staged the robbery to cut him cut out of the will and then they went into like a court case for like 10 years over the apartment that I grew up in in Bay Ridge this is all real this is all uh, real and they're all Arab guys who talk like this no you stole the, the no but that's the exactly house. right that's yeah. one, that's exactly correct they're all Arab dudes who sound like that that's fucking awesome. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, yeah. I mean, so um, you've been in contact with your parents and, uh, you know, how are yeah. how are they taking it? You well, know? you know, obviously, like everyone's world is absolutely shaken. I mean, the thing is, is that so my family's from Bethlehem mm-hmm. and in the West and what in the West Bank. Yeah. And so like obviously you know they're they're kind of safer in quotes Mm -hmm. um there is raids you know there's like arrests you never know what you know could happen but you know but the big like thing that is kind of very stressful is i have like two distant relatives who are sheltering at a church in gaza they were Mm. one they were displaced very early on and they're you know kind of older so they've just been in like one of the there so yeah. like I'm just like keep waiting, basically being like, well, I hope, uh, you know, and it sucks because part of being Palestinian is this kind of inextricable violence from your life. Like you yeah. find out about your relatives in the context of being killed by Israel or having been tortured by Israel or having had to leave because of X, Y or Z. And that's kind of, you know, all of the context of your family is in what's lost kind of what's missing mm-hmm. you know like and and kind of the the that's like you build your life around the absences of those people and that pain mm-hmm. you know what i mean and that's like the legacy of of you know an ongoing settler colonial yeah and yeah thing it's a fucking nightmare because i yeah. mean that is the jewish experience you know yeah that is the story we tell at, at passover that's what we say and and it's like mm-hmm. We have become Pharaoh. And what does, <laughs> you know, why, why how, did all of our stories are literally about not doing stuff like this. And it's, that's the thing is that like, uh, you know, people like, it's so wild because, you know, um, like I have, I don't want to do the, like, I have Jewish friends thing and we talk about this, but like we do, right? You like, do, because if, I mean, like, you're in the West, you have the same cultural signifiers yeah, exactly. and values. It's easy, you know, you can share information. More. Yeah, exactly. So we do talk about it, about like, that's the thing is that you have these convos about like this relative who died in the Holocaust or this relative who was displaced from their home during like the movements of whatever. And it's just like, yeah, that really sucks. <laughs> it's happening now you know what i mean it's like yeah there's but you know yeah it's it's just it's so painful it's just a real painful thing because there's a lot uh you know jerusalem i think about this a lot like why would people not think that jerusalem was just like the new york of the ancient world you know what i mean that it was just it's it was like a center hub of history right it was this uh in, it was like kind of the capital of the 
I think I think the Silk Road at a certain point. And it's just like between the Crusades, it was such a point of global interaction and multiculturalism that I don't understand why people can't like imagine if someone just came and split New York in half and said one kind of person can live here now. You know, like yeah. I think people cannot perceive that level of tragedy upon like us because that would, you know, they can't imagine us like them because yeah. we're not white. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think also if you live in North America and you're just sort of trained to believe that we, that we were just always here, you know, um, you, you sort of get a blind eye for what is and what isn't colonialism too. You don't recognize Israel as colonialism because it's sort of, I mean, especially one of the most egregious things is the pink washing, which goes on. Oh, they're nice here to the gays. So they get to murder, which is like, it's fucking, what? How do you, how does that, how is that the logic that you're, you know, the one-to-one -one thing? And, and also like, like gay marriage is not legal in Israel. No. So that's like the wild part to me is I'm like, bro, like uh, it's not even like, bro, not even Palestinian Israeli marriages aren't legal in Israel. Yeah. Like I know I literally have one of my aunt married a man who is half Palestinian, half Israeli, whose parents eloped and fled because of the fact that those marriages are not allowed to exist in Israel. So like, you don't even have like, bro, like you can't even have like Israeli-Palestinian marriages, much less gay marriages. What What is this like ethno-state white race? But they don't understand because the, it's like, it's also sort of the logic of, um, do you know about the Quiverful movement? No, I don't. The Quiverful movement was what the Duggars of like 23, not 23, uh, the 26 kids and counting, you know, the family on TLC oh, that had yeah. a lot of kids and then it was embroiled in a scandal like when one of the mm -hmm. children was turned out to be really messed up mm -hmm. um, and did some bad stuff to one of the other children. And um, but they were part of this movement called the Quitter Quiverful movement. And the idea is it's a it's like a, have as many children as possible um uh idea because it's your quiver full of arrows and you're launching wow. these children out into the world to spread this type of like breeding version of christianity that's crazy and the where they got that idea directly from is heredi west bank settlers <laughs> which that's is so wild and that's where that they were specifically inspired by heredi west bank Set and speaking of which it's the west bank settlers it's always a guy from the west bank who comes and shoots up the tel aviv pride parade every year and then, That's you know, so they put him in prison and then he gets out and then he shoots it up immediately. The next year. Yeah. 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 And Pretty it's, much. yeah, these, the, yeah. It, people, people don't, people really don't understand the level of depravity that's at work here. Like they don't understand about Ben Gavir and you know, all the, yeah. like they don't know how crazy these people really are. They think it's normal. This is, we support them. This is capitalism. You know, this is democracy, yeah. right? You know, no, this is, this is, this is way beyond that at this point, you know, it's, it's yeah. gone into full on and it can only be called fascism really. Yeah. Yeah fully I, no i'm full i can't i'm not uncomfortable saying that this is a, a, a fascist an ethno-fascist state i mean that's the thing is that ethno-nationalism there is it's just so unnatural there is it's just literally never happened under naturally occurring circumstances people travel people are interested in other cultures people integrate like this is this is the way of 
you know, social animals that mm -hmm. we are. Like Israel, you know, something I find really fascinating about kind of Israel's whole language is this kind of constant trying to, to differentiate Palestinians as animals to Palestinians as like, you know, insects, Palestinians as members of the like, of yeah. not human class. But the thing about that is like, human animal, I've never thought, human animal, I've never heard a phrase that is just so like, real, you know, mm -hmm. I like, you know, because that's what we are. There's no, there's no shame in being an animal. We are social creatures. That's what we are and where we came from. We're part yeah. of like this earth. So it, it really, when you think about it, it's just, there is no naturally occurring ethno state, like a real true ethno state. It, yeah. You have to annihilate everyone else except the group of people you have decided to keep in power and you have to do that ongoing because mm -hmm. people will keep trying to come in and stuff yeah. you know what i mean for like another example of that for me is uh you know very early in this genocide uh, when you know they started losing the palestinian workforce mm -hmm. um the cheap labor yeah. Um, and and that that was coming in from Gaza. And they then Israel started looking in other countries like India, looking for workers and trying to make deals for workers. And you would see on like Israeli reddits and stuff, people complaining and they would be like, oh, I don't want like these people here. Like, I don't want it to look like this. I don't want to look like that. Yeah. And the thing about that is there always has to be a servant brown underclass mm -hmm. for Israel to run as a settler colony. Right. It's like. Yeah. You you still like it, same way America does with I mean look at look Dubai at the immigration even. freaking yeah, yeah. All, all these all these yeah or or Qatar to some degree I yeah mean, exactly I like their media but you know they got some problems yeah for real though uh, <laughs> but you know we who who among us <laughs> either way you know Al Jazeera is a great network I I, I Sana Saeed she's great yeah no it's man it's it's rough because like. I hate that the quality of news in, in the West has degraded to such an extent. And, yeah. you know, and we're seeing it now in like the layoffs and stuff. And it's just going to be Google search doesn't even work, man. Oh, and yeah, it's, it's all connected. Up. I got to go to DuckDuckGo now. I got to go to Bing now. You know, <laughs> Bing. I, 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 I Bing will the, overtake it. God, Bing was the, tur the tortoise and the tortoise and the Maybe. hare all along. Yeah, it's going to be Bing now, you know. <laughs> it's it's going to be Ask Jeeves all Xbox over again. eventually got it right with the 360 and, you know, Bing played the long game. <laughs> and uh, now all of those uh, TV shows where they use Bing for searches won't seem so stupid now. <laughs> they, they were looking to the future. Yeah, they knew. They knew. Um, but yeah, it fucking... Uh, I, I think that's the, the other thing that I was thinking about is just the the sense of normalization to the gaslighting you know mm -hmm. constantly the idea that i mean for for you i'm sure it's very easy to resist because you have personal experience with this but you know like uh everyone sort of even people who are motivated on this get inured by this just constant drumbeat of like distraction and entertainment yeah. And, yeah. you know, sometimes as an entertainer, I feel like I'm part of that drumbeat of distraction, you know, which is why, you know, I, I try and do things that are more. I mean, I know you you do a lot of like uh, educational or try and like sublimate your experiences through artwork in a constructive way. Like, uh, do you yeah. feel like uh, uh, how do you go about that? I guess like. 
the way that I feel about it is just kind of like I um, the reason I even started writing and I started writing at like a pretty young age was kind of the world was so overwhelming to yeah. me that I could not understand it. It just kind of seemed like arbitrarily cruel and lacking mm -hmm. and very lonely. And so I would kind of try to write things out emotionally to express myself, but also almost in a way to like understand what I was even feeling or thinking. And I, you know, so it's kind of through my writing that I'm able to like process my own experience back to me. And especially through kind of a layer of fiction, because that allows me to be more honest with myself because I can pretend it's happening to someone else, I guess. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, it kind of creates a structure in my mind, in my very, you know, this year I got uh, diagnosed with moderate to severe ADHD. So oh, that makes sense too. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So I guess like, I just felt very fractured and kind of writing was my way of like getting back together um, and trying to like create a space for myself to understand yeah. anything. So I think that, you know, writing still serves that purpose for me now, even as like a professional writer. And I think that like, yeah, I kind of have to understand my own experience and kind of try to like mm -hmm. desperately share it with someone. But, you know, kind of, but, you know, so everything I do will be under the perspective of being Palestinian, right? Mm -hmm. And I think also big part of it is because being Palestinian and even saying Palestinian or even like, you know, having the view of Palestinian is so heavily policed mm -hmm. that like it kind of you you kind of learn to like just kind of hide it and also walk with it. Like mm -hmm. there's, you know, there are a lot of times where you have to decide whether you're going to say Arab American or Palestinian American because you yeah. want to decide if you're going to be in a fight or not. Yeah. Because people's reaction to you is so immediate and violent when they find out that you're Palestinian. My whole life, not now, just like as like a random person in any space. Yeah. It's just like people find out you're Palestinian, they get so immediately <laughs> emotional and intense about it that you like, like uh, you, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I, I can't imagine you're, you introduce yourself as, I am so sorry you know that yeah it would be it's one or the other it's either like oh my gosh that's crazy or yeah. or like or it's like why are you people always like that and i'm like oh, oh my god, my god. That, that one's much worse I imagine. well that one's that but that's the thing is that one was like way more common until recently right yeah. like i feel like as a kid growing up and and here's another piece of context for everybody i guess is that like so i grew up in bay ridge brooklyn but i was in new york when 9 11 happened and i grew mm. up in new york when 9 11 happened and bay ridge is the neighborhood where people would come to like fuck up arabs i mean and it happened at the beginning of this at the very beginning in october uh they actually had to shut down the schools in bay ridge for a day because people came to bay ridge in their cars waving Israeli flags were asking random kids on the street if they were Palestinian and then jumped a few teens. Uh. Um, and like, so I was, and someone like, yeah, pe like someone threw a brick through my window, yeah. like when I was in school, like, you know what I mean? So like, I kind of, it Jesus. was so, Fuck it. yeah, it's, it was so kind of viscerally intense to like be a visible Arab that like, for me, I think I spent a lot of time trying to like not be Arab. Like I was spent a lot of time like, you know, online, I just would use like white names and like white people's pictures for like a bit when I was a preteen. Mm. And like, I would just, 
yeah, man, it was just like, it was dark because you would just turn on the TV and it would be like Hillary Duff telling you to support the troops in Iraq yeah. and you see Abu Ghraib and like, everyone's like, yeah, but you deserve that. Yeah, you know, no, it's just were, kind of, yeah, it was yeah. very casually murderous. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's kind of always been like that. And all that happened now is just that it's been confirmed to me, like beyond a shadow of a doubt that like my worst nightmares, which included stuff like when I was a kid, I remember having nightmares, like reoccurring nightmares that they made it legal to arrest uh, Palestinian Americans in America. Mm. And I would have like nightmares about like looking for my mom in Bay Ridge while the like cops were trying to get me. And at the end of those nightmares, they always shot me. Like they never like arrested anyone when they found Palestinians, they would always just kill them on site. And the thing about that is that like, as a kid and until recently, I was like, man, imagine how paranoid, like how paranoid your mind has to be, like how hunted you have to feel for those to be your dreams as a kid. But now I'm like, no, that was an accurate assessment. Yeah, That was like an accurate, like that was, no, that was nailing like exactly what, the level yeah. of reality is my brain was telling was just synthesizing what my truth was. Mm-hmm. And I guess my art is me synthesizing what my truth is. And my truth is always going to just be Palestinian because it's not like anyone else is going to let me forget it for even a second. You oh, know? Yeah. Well, I, yeah. that's, that's always something I'm very interested in. It's like, sometimes you try and escape your identity to normalize. I'm always like, in terms of like, a, 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 a the composer Felix Mendelssohn, Mm -hmm. Uh, who I love, I think is like one of the great composers. And uh, he was seen as sort of conservative in his time. And part of this conservatism, I'm sure, was driven by his desire to fit in with mainstream uh, German society. His grandfather was a guy called Moses Mendelssohn, who was a very famous Jewish philosopher. And his uh, son was a merchant, sort of the unimpressive middle generation and decided to convert to Christianity in order to get along with the Gentiles better. And Felix, you know, all throughout his life, he was raised as a Gentile. He was raised as, as a Christian. And he wrote Hark the Herald Angels Sing, one of the, wow. one of the most okay. beautiful hymns. Yeah. You know, uh, and uh, But he was dogged all the time by Judaism. It was called inferior Jewish music. Inferior, you know. And I always yeah. like, I always think that is, but it's like, the same thing of like uh, as a gay person, Roy Cohn in like Angels in America, the world mm-hmm. will not yeah. let you forget what you are. So why betray it? You know? Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's the thing is that that's totally it is that like at a certain point, I think, you know, as late as like, I think it was genuinely when I was working on Squire, when I started like doing like kind of my hardcore research into like Ottoman and Byzantine history. Mm-hmm. Um you know, because I was like, oh, I want to like, you know, really kind of create a well-rounded world. But like, I realized as I was writing the story, despite, you know, doing our months of world building that like the most, the thing that was pulling me along was the emotional core of the story. And the emotional Mm -hmm. core story was 100% what it is to be a Palestinian American living in the post 9-11 America, like growing up during Mm -hmm. that you know, during a really formative time, like what happens to you? And you do get put in a position where you have to choose, right? Like you got to choose whether you are going to 
you know, because what whiteness is to me is that like, it's not real, right? It's, yeah. it's a structure. It's, it's a, a homogeny that you can throw away your culture to become part of. So either you, you know, you throw away your culture to try to, you know, kind of ascend the ranks of whiteness, or you turn your back on that altogether and go back to who you are. And, you know, that kind of, Writing Squire was one my moment, I think, that when I was figuring out what that book was alongside Sarah, I I had to like be very emotionally honest with myself with like what is, you know, what is heroism, what is truth to me? And kind of doing that untangling made me realize like, no, I am I am a person who fiercely loves being Palestinian. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a person who loves Palestine and loves everything about my people. Yeah. And like I can't and I've my whole life been trying to find, you know, white people to pat me and tell me that I'm like good enough to deserve being alive, I guess. Cause that's what, you know, that's where yeah. you're left. Right. Yeah. You know, when you're on, when you're there, but like, I realized, especially now, I don't care what a single white person thinks of me ever again. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. But, and I mean, look what they yeah. did. How yeah, can, I how kind do they of have the moral high ground. You know? I know, and yeah. that's the thing. I think that's the thing that a lot of um, like white executives, specifically, you know, because we're in creative industries, mm-hmm. they aren't really. I don't think they're aware of how much that's changed now. I don't think they've aware. They're aware of how much like, you know, black and indigenous and brown creators are just like this has totally shifted our kind of our understanding it has taken i know me certainly but a lot of others off the defensive which is where we were yeah it's kind of the like hey we got to operate within this system we got to you know like compromise yeah we got to like you know we got to pr- you know we got to play the game and now i think we all we're all like we don't we don't give a f- single shit about any of these accolades any of these institutions and like just it's about kind of community and and truth now and you know so like you know i don't think they can short they're going to be able to shortchange people for as long as they think they do you know they've been getting away with that shit for way too long yeah um is there so the i feel like there is a weirdly a canonical graphic novel about palestine which is joe sacco's book which i haven't read actually um but i'm i yeah i'm have you have you read the i I have read it what are your impressions of I love that book. I think mm-hmm. Joe Sacco's Palestine is an incredible resource. I think that it is like like one of the peaks of like nonfiction graphic work. Mm-hmm. I think that like this is like a journalist who understands the medium and like uses it beautifully and like really genuinely, you know, it, I think it's invaluable. I'm like, hey, if you want an intro primer to Palestine, mm-hmm. uh, Joe, Joe Sacco's Palestine is going to be is going to be a really good intro point. Yeah. And and even you know, I think it was genuinely put out in the 90s. Yeah, um, and it, it's pretty it's amazing, been, pretty astonishing, yeah. actually, yeah. that he was because that you could really they would really fuck your shit up <laughs> in oh, the yeah, 90s for that for sure. And I, you know, and the you know, it's so fucked up, but like it, it's just as true today. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um, yeah, I mean, they still really fuck your shit up, but I mean, that's the issue is like we were talking about earlier. Has Hasbro gotten worse, or what's the deal with it? Because it seems like Israel's just own 
propaganda, its own footage that it takes and puts out there. Like, I mean, months ago, we heard about the semen retrieval thing. And it was mm -hmm. like, this is supposed to get us on your side? This is not normal people don't do the cum retrieval unit that's yeah. not a that's not like a normal thing that and they yeah. were like promoting it as like this is the harrowing tale of how we retrieved my husband's cum off the battle what and it's like every every zoomer i see who's like watching these like israel tiktoks is like uh this isn't they're not doing? what is well that's what is... The, so that's the thing i think that like there's a lot going on here where i'm like i just think i think that like it's not so much that it's gotten worse because i think it's always been this bad honestly but yeah. i think that like they don't have the language anymore like they don't understand the language of the internet whatsoever they like mm -hmm. do not know what the, <laughs> what like how to make things for the internet um mm -hmm. like in terms of like any of it like not like the speed or like what the internet likes or like what you know what i mean they just really don't get it and yeah it's, they don't get the they don't get the humor it's all they don't get like the tim it. and eric it's basically everything's tim and eric now right yeah tim and eric <laughs> just made everything tim and eric and uh yeah they just don't like you see those like well, that Israel not... SNL show with like Brett Gelman and Michael yeah, Rappaport on it, and it's is, just is... painfully unfunny. Like I don't get it. What's happening? Well, I think media overall just is not. It has just is not in touch with the current day whatsoever. Like yeah. this is like everyone is treating it like we are in the two thousands or like, and I'm like, we are not in a good position financially, economically. America, everyone is doing so poorly right now and like people have seen so much death things have gotten so much worse you are not pitching the same kind of humor to a group of winners anymore you know yeah. what i mean who can laugh and like have nothing are, to lose that's we are the dominant because we used to be the dominant ones right yes, but now exactly. like you have it's more like solidarity as like a as a millennial or a zoomer with the people who are under the thumb of the cackling Israel cannot possibly understand gallows humor yeah. like at, and and we are all just making jokes on a 24/7 basis about how high we are and how much we want to kill ourselves yeah. like Israel does not understand that Palestine gets it yeah. I'll tell you what <laughs> because that's yeah. like because we've been making jokes about that shit forever i still remember like years and years ago seeing a video of like a young dude getting arrested by a bunch of iof dudes who were taking him to like a tank and he breaks free of their hold runs up to the tank and he's like i call shotgun haha -ha. and it's like you know, you know they're gonna beat the shit out of you for that. But the point is, is fuck you, right? Yeah, the point yeah. is, is fuck you. The point is, is you're not gonna break me. And point is, is that I'm still laughing at you because you're nothing to me. And that's like closer to humor where the rest of us are at, even yeah. as Americans, than what you know, kind of like where SNL or even like moneyed media is because we're not we don't have shit anymore and we yeah. are all miserable and they don't know how to make jokes to us because yeah. they don't know that they don't know what that feels like yeah i punching up or punching down you can you i think you can punch down and still make good humor but you mm -hmm. can't be authoritarian and make good humor you but can't you can't be, be like a fascist and be funny about yeah. it basically anymore yeah i mean there was like the had the i mean that's the problem is the the Trump era was the invention of the funny fascist, right? Yeah. It was all these clown fascist guys like Trump and, you know, yeah. or even like uh, 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 Bolsonaro or mm -hmm. like now they got that Millet guy in Argentina who's like a clown oh, fascist. Oh, Jesus, well. yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so it, these guys who are like either intentionally or unintentionally, there is something that is like amusing or clownish about them. And that's what, you know, sort of creates this sense that they're harmless or they're more harmless mm -hmm. than they actually are. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, Israel doesn't, I mean, they are clownish in a lot of ways. BB does seem very clownish to me, but in like a nightmarish, awful way. Yeah. But so does Biden, I guess, because it's like yeah. you have this guy who's this innocuous senile guy who's just been fucking behind yeah, this it's massive bloodletting. It's basically like best case scenario. Uh, you know, he is so senile. He has no idea what's going on, which is still horrifying because you are letting that man lead the country. Worst case scenario, he is a genocidal psychopath who is, uh, you know, totally fine pretending, totally fine letting people know that he really doesn't care. And maybe even pretending to be a little senile to see how far he can get away with that yeah. shit, because why not? You know, um, like, it is no good in either way. I am genuinely shocked that the Democratic Party is like, no, we're willing to destroy our entire party over this. Like, we'll we'll end the whole bit for for this guy and for this train of thought. But like, it's again, I'm like, I just think that these people, these, you know, these leaders, they're, they're so, they, they don't exist in our world anymore. They are yeah. old. And I mean that in many ways, they are old world. Like yeah. this is, you know, they are the remnants, you know, Henry Kissinger's children. They are yeah. the remnants of the, the 20th century. And we are, you are not going to sell a, you know, a, an Iraq war to uh, a bunch of like, people who have been sheltering for for like two years possibly and have now been thrust back into the workforce everything is worse everything is worse everything works worse everything costs more mm -hmm. jobs are not stable like it is like what are you gonna get you have failed to, to prevent for? any of that you know yeah you have like done nothing about that shit but you're giving Joe Biden billions of dollars with our yeah. student loans yeah. like the student loan thing was such a flop on such a major level that i can't believe they didn't just spend the rest of their time trying to chase what a devastating stupid thing that was um of like saying you're gonna help everyone with ten thousand dollars then being like oh whoopsie the republicans said no and yeah. now you can and now you're just doing this you're just seeing how the money just seems to flow out of every pocket for war it's just like uh, yeah. it is it is you know i keep saying like we're in you know this is a you know uh, joe biden thinks this is like iraq and we're in vietnam right now like this yeah. is a disaster i mean it is very much like the parallels to iraq especially how october 7th people compare it to 9 11 also in the sense that it seems like i don't know israel it's hard to believe that the most advanced surveillance military in the world where there are multiple reports where there, oh, Egypt said there would be an attack on the 7th. America told you there would be an attack on the 7th. And it happened. You know, you know I'm not going to get into full mm -hmm. conspiracy mode about this. But it also seems like, it, you know, just the that leading to something that justifies uh, 30 times, 40 times, uh, more the amount of casualties. And yeah. not just casualties, but also starvation and like no this is like a, like a, i will tell you like for real though that genuinely first like october i turned to my partner at one point and i literally said every time israel starts up there's a fear in me that they're gonna do it this time they're gonna kill every single person and yeah. they're gonna do it and yeah. and like i know that's crazy 
I know that's crazy, but what if they do it this time? And then, you know, we have to be like, that would be, that would be, that would be nuts. There's no way. And now I'm like, no, they're totally, no. They're yeah, trying. No, they're, no, they're really they're, trying they're, this they're time. They're really trying this time. And yeah. they try every time, but this yeah. is, this is the time that yeah. I think, you know, it's well, the president that we have stuff as well. Yeah. 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 It's very, yeah. it's very that. And I think that, you know, they know that when they stop, it's over. You, they cannot lose the momentum because yeah. it will, it will all come crashing down behind them. You know, yeah. if and they, and I, they keep looking for a way out and hoping that if they extend the carnage, maybe, maybe there's a way out through more Palestinian destruction and death because yeah. what we've lost is like, it's immeasurable, right? It's like institutions, it's learning, it's history, yeah. it's civilization. The oldest churches and mosques in the world, yeah. you know. Yeah, like yeah. like libraries, and academics. We've lost poets, we've lost like doctors, um, family bloodlines, histories. I know someone who lost like 30 family members in one day. Yeah. Um, it's it's just it's like there is like we're beyond the point where there's any anything further to to kind of say on the terms of like harm prevention yeah. like that's it like there's nothing there's nothing that's gonna ever ever be okay again for yeah. palestinians um yeah. none of us are gonna be okay again i mean i can tell you also that like i had <laughs> repressed memories from the second intifada come back mm. When you were in started. the second intifada? No, I wasn't in it, but I had totally forgotten all the coverage I had seen um, until I started remembering all the stuff. Um, and uh, and my, you know, other Palestinians I talked to also talked about that. My stepmother, who uh, is from Lebanon and lived in Lebanon, her, mm -hmm. you know, through several civil wars and uh, up until like 10 years ago when she, you know, moved to New York with my dad. Mm -hmm. But um she told me that she kept thinking, all right, it's time to go to the basement because like, they're going to start, they're going to start shelling soon. Uh. Like Israel will. And then she has to remind herself every day that she's like in New York and it's like 40 years later, but like, you know, this, like we are like the level of, of casual trauma that is landed on the laps of most like Arabs, but especially Palestinians is, is, is just like, yeah, I'm never going to be the same again. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Well, this is I mean cuz it's all been the the horrifying uh, since October the sense that oh it's been 70 years leading up to this. This is the mm -hmm. moment of this is the crescendo, you know, of this. Yeah. All of it has been horrible and you know since the Nakba it's just been this endless stream of destruction, but this yeah. is like this is the pivot point. Um yeah. on which not just uh, relations with Palestinians, but the entire Middle East will will revolve around this moment. And... I genuinely think the whole the whole world. I think that this yeah. is like, I mean, we're seeing kind of the the this really interesting mobilization of the global South, right? And yeah. and bringing these like, you know, European and you know these uh, genocidal countries yeah. and to you know to the courts and. I think it's really important because it is providing like a like a concrete record of genocide yeah. 
uh, and a historical record of genocide. And it's also kind of an, a really fun fuck you to, to the country yeah. to set up those courts yeah. to be like, we're going to drag you to your own fucking courts. You fuck get to you tell guys. The, yeah, white people directly and dance circles around them when they make their like, oh, Israel's not as bad because they aren't killing as many people as they could be killing. You know, yeah, that's the yeah. best argument they have. And I mean, the thing is, is that, like you said, uh, Rafat, you know, he was killed with a with an airstrike in the second, in, I believe in the second floor yeah. with, you know, uh, his sister's family. And that shows you that, like, they can uh, make very precise strikes when they want to. They simply choose not to. And, and the thing is, is that uh, this, I don't want to, I believe that this is a crescendo in terms of scale. But this level of cruelty is very par for the course. This oh, has yeah. just kind of been how mean and cruel and evil and murderous it has been for Palestinians uh, forever. Like, I have a story of someone in my family uh, that had been kidnapped by some IOF and mm. they, you know, kept holding a gun to his head and they kept telling him, like, Hey, we're gonna we're gonna shoot you, and uh, you know, in three, two, one, and then they wouldn't shoot. Yeah. And he thought he developed a psychological disorder where he thought he was dead. For like, he was convinced that he, he had, had he was already syndrome. dead. Yes, he did. Yeah, I know and that. Like, for yeah. Some <laughs> yeah, and it's like I like I'm like, hey, do you like that's it? That's all I know about that person. Right. Like that's, that's, you know, that's just like, and those are just casual stories you have. Like those are not, you know, and I'm just like, yeah, I, I guess I'm just, you know, spilling all this out also because, you know, as of today, as a recording day there, you know, Israel did, uh, did reject another ceasefire negotiation. Yes. Uh, um, cause they want yeah. it. Like you said, they need to keep it going. Cause once this stops, it's like, then then it's like the dust settles and it's like yeah, they'll, they'll never be able to do anything like this again. Basically, yeah. This was kind of, I think that this even, like personally, I think that this escalated to the way it did, not because Israel like pre-planned that they wanted to commit this genocide now, uh, but because they were, you know, Israel always acts up most when they're humiliated. Yeah. Um, and when they feel that they need to crush you know, Palestinian spirit and also crush, you know, solidarity. Mm -hmm. And they always escalate further and further the more they feel that like they're losing, you know, the grasp of the situation. And mm -hmm. um, I think that that's kind of, I think the global, so the level of global solidarity really fucked them up. I think yeah. they really did not know what to do. And they only went to what they know how to do, which is kill fast yeah. and kill and and torture and do, you know, horrific war crimes. And it's because, you know, like they just don't know how to react to this moment. And yeah, I just genuinely think that the the level of cruelty is to destroy Palestinian hope of a Palestinian future and infrastructure, but and to you know, just like maybe if I kill, you know, uh, the beatings will continue until morale improves. Right. Very yeah, that. yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, that's but yeah, that is the the thing of a fascist state. You know, they killed. I mean, Yichak Rabin wasn't a good guy. You know, he was still into liberal Zionism, yeah. but he was at least like, oh, if we want our state to keep going, we have to make some concessions to, you know, and then they murdered him because they didn't yeah. want that. They wanted. <laughs> they wanted to murder everybody because it's yep. a it's an ethno nationalist project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm like, man, I think a lot about like 
there's going to need to be a lot of reprogramming, like de cult shit going on, you yeah. know, culturally. And it's going to be, that's going to be fascinating. Yeah. I mean, it's really, I mean, Biden and like, I mean, now the, the fucking guy is Fetterman as well, who seems mm-hmm. like not just like APAC funded, but like genuinely philosophically invested in the idea of like uh, Israel as this, I don't know, cosmic underdog. I mean, the problem is free. I live in, I live in the center of the city. There's always, no there's always sirens passing by because, you know, people out Brooklyn. there, you know, you know, <laughs> um, but um yeah, so these people seem very ideologically committed to Israel beyond, you know, whatever sort of material funding they might be getting from from moneyed interests or whatever. Um, like Fetterman, you see him waving the Israeli flag on a trolling. But what a fucking man, that guy. Man, I, I really and don't I, like that. Man, him too. I, I can't help but wonder if it was just the humiliation. Was it just like... Is it just this guy putting his foot down because he's like, at this point, you've gone too far. And if you you can't turn back, you got to like, you got to prove that you, you were right and that you're not bothered and you got to own the libs. Like what? Like what exactly? Like, I'm like, man, did is it is it just the ego? I wonder. I think it has to be because it right? seems like that's what the entire project is. It's a big yeah. ego project. It's all about. I mean, I think you were saying before, it is like the 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 high school bully. Or, you know, or have you ever like, have you ever like known a nerd who was like horribly bullied and then they were like, they sniff, they go their own, you'll see, you'll see. And then they get like really buff and aggressive and like everybody hates them now because it's like, and I I feel like that's sort of the archetype, you know, or like what happened to Dave Chappelle, you you know? Have you seen like, uh social network the movie yeah yeah i like that you know the very opening where she's like you're gonna think that everyone hates you because you're a nerd but it's really because you're an asshole yeah like i think that's that's nation of zuckerbergs goddamn nation of freaking zuckerberg (laughs) and i it's not anti-semitic because i am jewish so i can say it i'm i'm we can say goddamn yeah (laughs) dead-eyed jesse eisenberg no i mean if i say that it's like someone who's like that's one of my favorite movies i love that movie the best but it's i i mean i'm not a fincher guy or a sorkin guy and i think that movie is the fucking best i love that movie and i say that with like having like being like all the love in my heart but like that line i'm like i've met so many guys like that you know the like guys who are like they're convinced it's because they're like oh it's like because i'm nerdy and i'm too smart and i'm too real and people hate that about me and it's like no it's because you're the fucking worst um that's 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 a lot that's a lot that's john fetterman it's the jewish thing too of like being disgusted at your own weakness like you hear stories about holocaust survivors in israel who were shunned because like the tough israeli guys were like you were weak you allowed yourself to get caught you know even how they treat the hostages is like you're weak you allowed yourself to get caught you know we we don't have to worry about actually getting you back we can just blow you up because you were weak because they don't actually care about like jewish people they care about like they they care about israelis they care about zionists and that's like why that's so important to make that distinction because like they care about the zionist project they do not care about the safety of the jewish people otherwise they would not do any of the shit they have done um i feel i yeah yeah, giving people a legitimate if you're doing this in my name i'm a jewish person you're giving and like people believe you're doing it in my name then you're giving them a very legitimate reason to hate me 
<laughs> so, so it's. I mean, that's kind of the thing about the like the Star of David. Like, I'll be very honest with you is that like every time I see it on someone, I have to have a moment where I'm like, okay, there is a 50% chance that it's just Jewish person, all cool, all good. Yeah. 50% chance this is a Zionist and things are about to get so fucked up right now. For yeah, me. yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, good. and that's the scary part is that it's not like, and that's the, but that's the, also the point is to create, is to create that like, the subterfuge, right? The subterfuge of of Jewish symbolism yeah. to uh, to represent the powers of a government, of an ethnostate government, the the will of an ethnostate government. Again, like it's it's like you know it, it's it's sort of like we can see now, especially with with Biden, you know, with all of these uh, protests, and they're barely making the news, and no one in the White House gives a shit about any of them, no matter how big they are. Um, and people are still, you know, media is just still doing their thing. It's because they don't like, they don't care. They don't really care what you think. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And Israel very similarly does not actually care what Jewish people think. They just no. care about what the power structure is and what the symbolism is. They, that's what they want to last. Yeah. I mean, that is, yeah, that is the, the structure of fascism is this sort of postmodern idea of power for power's sake, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Whatever whatever we and it comes from this sort of like idea of that we shall never be humiliated as jewish people again it's like when they say like when we say holocaust never again right it's uh obviously that should mean no one should experience a holocaust again but these people interpret it as it won't happen to us and in yeah. order for it to not happen to us we need to destroy some sort of existential enemy and yeah. that will be, you know, we need the, as a fascist state, we need the outgroup to justify the continuance yes. of our fascist state. 100%. And that is the Palestinians. But that's the thing. If they eliminate all the Palestinians, the thing with pa fascism is that they'll go to Jordanians. They'll go to yeah. Lebanese. They'll go to 100%. somewhere else. Because it needs to keep having an outgroup. It's this cancerous thing, which is why it's got to be stopped immediately. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, um, I mean, that's the other thing is like, I mean, the the frustration too that I always have is immensely difficult to deal with is you do donate money to like PCRF or um, mm -hmm. you, you'd go to protest, you write, you educate. But the thing you really want to be doing is putting your body in front of a kid, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. and you can't because, yeah. you know, one, you're geographically over there and two, yeah. you know, that killing yourself won't, you know, it won't help. Yeah. yeah won't help but, no i mean that's yeah that, that's a real that's a real i mean especially like as a palestinian abroad right like i've always i can i've always contended with the fact that i know my tax dollars are going to uh going to go pay for israel that when i yeah. go like buy certain stuff you know it's gonna go give money to israel mm. um and i've known that like my entire life right that's just like being palestinian in america knows that you are going to be paying for the subjugation of your own family back home mm -hmm. um and you know what do you do with that culpability right mm -hmm. and it's sort of like it's very hard for myself right now to keep reminding myself that I'm also Palestinian and that I need to, you know, keep myself alive as well because I'm part of the, you know, Palestinian diaspora at, at this point, you know, every single Palestinian is like a living historian of their people, right? Like yeah. we're kind of a, a, a living, you know, cultural 
artifact who and because as long as I've remembered the big thing of you know in my family at least was like memory right is like we have to remember what was lost we have to remember who was lost I mean and we said that about that in the shared cultural Jewish experience I mean it goes down to the to Palestinians naming their children after ethnically uh cleansed cities that no longer (laughs) exist in areas which are now you know Israeli cities still stand on top of yeah um and yeah it's sort of like you're like what do you, what can I do you know what can I do from where I am and I guess the you know the only thing is to is kind of the ongoingness right it's a it's a marathon not a sprint mm-hmm. uh it's I think a lot about something I read about uh Angela Davis recently about yeah. kind of how in her 40s she uh, stopped smoking and started running and like ate less red meat. And I think about, you know, kind of what what we've lost and who we've lost very intentionally. A lot of, uh, you know, figures like Fred Hampton and Hassan yeah. Kenafani were assassinated, but, you know, on purpose because they do not want that shit to, to spread. They don't want those ideas about solidarity and, you know, anti colonialism to spread but you know i think about also like someone like edward said dying in his 60s yeah um i think about what shortens a life and you know uh i think about angela davis seeing that future and being like i gotta be i gotta try to be around and so now i think the only thing that i like i think about like i think about futurism i think about like I have to, no matter what, keep convincing myself and everyone around me of a free Palestine, and I have to be alive long enough to see it. Yeah. I mean, I th- yeah. I like that. I like the idea of Palestinian futurism. I, I am yeah. very much inspired by the work of Sun Ra um, and nice. uh, the work of, and the world of Afrofuturism in general, mm-hmm. because I saw it as sort of like a utopian vision that was different like because when you're raised in white society you get you know utopian visions informed by white society and this seemed something if i don't know if it's better but just different you know and like uh, as a result of that difference filled with more hope somehow yeah i think that you know we we see that these structures, you know, as I said before, like, we see that these institutions, these world leaders, these structures do not represent us anymore, and 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 kind of like, any real level. So at this point, the way I feel about it is that like, those institutions need new blood to stay alive, they need us to keep believing in them. And if like, if no one cared about the New York Times anymore, they just die. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? If no one wrote for, if no one wanted to write for Marvel or DC anymore, they'd fizzle out. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just kind of like, I think that that we, you know, at this point, corporations have convinced themselves that they're too big to fail. And we're seeing in real time that that is 100% not true. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I am saying that, and that's like a weird time to be saying this because it is also during a time of like, I work in games and it is a terrifying oh, yeah, time. It's a big upheaval, a layoff uh, everywhere, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I don't think I'm going to find a job in games at all <laughs> anytime Ugh. soon. But, you know, the thing about that is that now I'm like, okay, these, these like, these institutions obviously cannot keep, they can't, they can't function anymore. Like we're yeah. watching them break down before our eyes. We have to find new ways of imagining the world because there is going to be an after as much as they don't want us to think about the after they're just trying to keep us in this moment until they can figure out how to get control back but like 
I think that's that, important. Man. I think trying to because we are so um, we are so stuck with this sense of normalcy, you know, this hyper normalization, mm -hmm. as like the Adam Curtis documentary says this, the idea we're in this endless loop of just sticking to the status quo. I think now more than ever, it's like, uh, if you if you're trying to do artwork, trying to think about visions of the future, maybe not utopian visions, necessarily, yeah. but things that could be better ways yeah. that it could improve, not just doomerous doomsday visions, but maybe ideas of you know, because how many astronauts said that they were inspired to do what they did because of Star Trek, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we, as much as, as silly as it is, you know, I'm, and art is always, being an artist is the endless process of trying to justify the own uselessness of your vocation, you know? Um, but that's the beauty of it, too. That's the wonder yeah. of it. It gives itself because it is useless. It is, it can only be given as a gift because there is no inherent point to it. And that I, is, I, yeah. I think about this thing. I think about that thing about how they say that, like, you can't imagine a new face in a dream. You can just kind of remix features or like a face you saw on the street or something like that, that you can't just like come up with some with a face you've never seen. Mm -hmm. um, and I think about that, like, and I think about like that in art a lot about mm -hmm. like how if you don't remix the world for someone yeah. else, they will never see it remixed. A lot of genre writing that I find really weak is one that just recreates the hierarchies that we live in without any kind of like exploration of of why they work or what's going on in them or how they can be disrupted or if they can be disrupted or what they even mean you know I think that like if you just recreate the same power structures and hierarchies you know kind of word for word without challenging it or even exploring it at all it's kind of like then why are you doing it because the point yeah art is like we can remix we can remix reality into mm -hmm. anything and it is kind of like i think of, i love that ursula Le Guin quote where she yeah. like i literally looked it up to make sure that like you know, it, we live in capitalism. Its power seems inescapable. So did the divine right of kings. Yeah. You know, and, you know, any human power can be resisted and changed by human beings. Resistance and change often begin in art and very often in our art, the art of words. And that's kind of where I'm at with art now is where I'm like, hey, you know, I need to like, Squire itself was very much that for me too. It was mm -hmm. about like, history specifically and yeah. like the way that history is presented as this unshakable narrative because the history that we're taught is you know in israeli history most people are are no like that version of events but there but history is you know it's always a one narrative it's not like it's someone taking events and choosing how to make it into a story because stories is how we understand things you know mm -hmm. even in ancient times like they would make up stories about the stars to yeah. explain things because that's how we get things yeah that's why stories, we tell kids stories right yeah. they're always dreams too because the nature yeah. of reality is much more mercurial and fucked up you know it's much oh, more yeah. closer to like james joyce ulysses stream of consciousness <laughs> stuff than it is to you know declarative sentences about yeah. someone you know verbing to the adjective you know yeah, yeah totally that's totally true yeah it's like it's you're right it's a total like it's a framework that we could like try to like it's like language right it's like mm -hmm. where we decide things mean things and we use that to help organize ourselves and our minds and history is you know kind of like 
that story, but there's always someone telling it and there's always a reason for it being told. So with Squire, I just really wanted to challenge the idea of a neutral singular history for any specific group of people, race or region mm-hmm. or religion even, because I'm a Christian Palestinian, which is a whole thing because people do not. Yeah, they don't think I you exist. exist. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. A, yeah. No, you guys were the first Christians. You literally guys were the Bethlehem, first ones. bro. Yeah. I'm like literally like the my birthplace. <laughs> what do you right mean? Right there. Yeah. What do you mean? Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, Palestine is a futurism. So I'm like, you know, I think that like, yeah, when we I love Afrofuturism too. So I'm like, I I've been thinking a lot in that framework. Not that I, everything I'm gonna do is futurism, but I'm definitely working on a Palestinian futurism project right now for sure. That sounds that sounds very enticing. I like that idea a lot. Um, and I think that's a good time to wrap up too. Uh, Nadia, you've been so great. I love your. I love hearing you talk. You've you you're Gabby and inspired, and you've got Thank a lot you. of good insights. Um, uh, where can where can they find you? Where can the listeners find well, you? Well, they can unfortunately unfortunately find me on Twitter. No, where, uh, Nadia. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, Nadia N A D I A underscore S H A M M A S underscore. There's some other Nadia Shamus sitting on it who hasn't tweeted since like 2016, and I'm like, I'm begging you to delete your account so I can take your name. But there. I'm the only Nadia Shamus, just nor you know, N-A-D-I-A-S-H-A-M-M-A-S on Instagram. Those are where you can find me. Um, and yeah, thank you for having me. I do love talking. And uh this was this was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, next time we'll talk about horror. I saw you had this, yeah. oh my god, the creator of Skipping on here, which is like and I was so oh, like, Kyle, like, Kyle uh, yeah. he, jealous, he, he but rules. also like most terrifying thing I've ever seen. I was like, whatever mental illness I have, this dude has too. For sure. Oh, uh, you could probably. I, I think he's <laughs> he's taken a break off of uh, Twitter, but he's very accessible. You could probably DM him. I'm sure he'd be into your stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Um. Well. Yeah. And everyone should watch Skinner Rink. That's a reminder. Yeah. No. Watch. It's the, it's one of the best movies yet. I've ever best, seen. Go watch the, it. It's uh, the best. Fight. Yeah. Uh. Captures a childhood memory that I forgot that I had. And uh, it captures a childhood memory. I wish I could forget forever. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I can't imagine uh, Palestinian skin rink is a very. No, but that's the thing is you come home with PTSD and you don't know what PTSD is. So then your brain is just like, oh, it's nighttime. Time to re-scramble reality. Here's the face that's going to kill me. Yeah, yeah. basically. (laughs) Don't turn around or Bloody Mary is going to jump from the ceiling. There you go. Well, anyway, Skinnamarink rules. Free Palestine. Free Palestine. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. No, no worries. Thanks, man. Thanks, man.